Hello, I'm Aver, Hazel, or Kylie. You can just pick one, I don't care. Hello, I am Lily. And welcome to the From the Closet podcast. Today we are covering Avengers Endgame. Incredible that we're finally here, but yeah, um, obviously this podcast will contain spoilers for said movie. If you'd like to avoid them, there will be a link in the description below to the Just Watch page for this movie, where you'll be able to find links to every place you can rent, purchase, or stream this movie with price comparisons for renting and purchasing. Uh, for us here in the U.S., it's available for streaming on Disney+. Plus. Also in the description, you will find a link to our Patreon, where you can vote on future episodes of this show, as well as get access to episodes before they release, as well as early access to episodes of our sister show, Off the Shelf, which is about books and is exclusive to YouTube and Patreon. As far as future episodes go, you can join us next week for uh, Cruella and West Side Story, the 2021 version. We have previously covered the 1961 version. You can check that out in our playlist. You can also join us next month for Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, also in the description, you'll find a link to Anchor.fm, which is now Spotify for podcasters, which itself will have links to every place this platform, this podcast is on, as well as links to our Instagram and Twitter, where you can be notified when we release a new episode. But with all that being said, please get out of here if you would like to avoid spoilers, because we are going to start discussing the movie now. And oh boy, what a movie. This, okay, I saw this in theaters mm. twice. Uh, once on opening day, and then once literally the day after. My um, So it was actually kind of a coincidence that it happened like that. My dad and I had made plans to see the movie the day after opening day. Um, and then literally the day before, a uh, you know, opening day, um, a friend of mine uh, who was also planning to go see the movie with someone else... Uh, had that someone else cancel on them. Um, so they called me up and was like, hey, you want to go see it? And I'm like, eh, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was kind of mad at me because, like, okay, we we go to the movie the next day and we sit there. I didn't tell him. <laughs> I didn't tell him that I had seen it the day before until the movie was over. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, so, yeah, good um, movie, um, even better the second time. <laughs> yeah, he, he was mad, but, I mean, I wanted to see his reactions to the movie. And, you know, it's movies like this that make me miss going to the movie theaters. Because, like, uh, now, to be honest, I don't think I'm ever going to get another movie theater experience like what I got with this movie. Like, the sense of community was so great with this movie, like... I, I I remember the reactions to pretty much everything that people had throughout hmm. this movie. It was such a it was such a great experience and you only get experiences like this when you have this much effort put in over the course of as many years as were put into this movie. Like the MCU started when I was 10 years old. Like, Iron Man came out in 2008, before my birthday. Um, so, <laughs> I was 10 years old when that movie came out. And then Endgame comes out when I'm 21, because it was also before my birthday. And it, it was just amazing. 
Like, I have grown up with this char- these characters, and I don't know. Like, there's something to it. There's something about it that really strikes a chord. I don't think it's the best Marvel movie. I've, I've st- said before, I think Infinity War is better. Um, but this movie is still incredible. It's still top five, maybe top three MCU movies. But yeah, let, let, let's start with the actual content of the movie. We open sure. with Hawkeye's family disappearing. Like, he loses his entire family. He wasn't even in Infinity War. And so it's a good idea to open us on someone who wasn't present for the conflict. But, like, holy shit, talk about a cold open. Yeah, no, just everyone disappearing yeah so they kill off hawkeye's family right (laughs) like he's right there too like he doesn't actually see it happen because his back was turned but imagine like one second they're there and then you turn around and they're gone all of them just like half the world yeah or entire universe and then we and then we get the marvel logo which i think um what they did for this movie was really cool because what they did for the Marvel logo um, in this movie was all the scenes where there were um, characters who were snapped. They're just not there in the Marvel logo. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And also very haunting, especially when you have like no... Like, they didn't do the intro music for this movie, either. So, yeah. um, Then we go to the Avengers meeting, where I think two two important things happen. Um, Where, okay, I I say we go to the Avengers meeting, but actually we go to Tony Stark in space, and then, like, I don't really think there's much to say about that. But the Avengers meeting is the next thing in space. Yeah, Stark and Nebula, which... I get it, it. It was wholesome watching them play paper football. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a nice moment for Nebula's character because she tends to associate competition with like having to fight Gamora, and if she lost, she had a part of her body replaced, and she always lost. So, like, it's a nice moment to have not only a competition where. Like, those kind of stakes aren't present, but also where she actually wins something for once. And it's, um, paper football. Yeah, paper football. Instead of combat, which is what (laughs) usually was the case. But yeah, uh, we go to the Avengers meeting where, um, pretty much everyone's there except for Hawkeye and... Well, I was gonna say Captain Marvel, but no, she was there too, because... Uh, something I have in my notes is when she sees that Fury is gone, like you can actually see like it. She actually there, there's a blink and you miss it moment of like grief that's on her face. And then it just cuts away. I think the important thing though, that happens during this meeting is we see the first interaction between Steve and Tony since civil war. And it's like, it's very, very apparent that no, they have not made up. 
They have not yet put their differences aside and everything. Tony is still very much mad about the whole thing. Yeah, and, and it's, um, it definitely shows. Yeah. And, like, here we also start getting uh, the whole plan to go and get Thanos, get the stones back from him, and, like, undo everything. Of course, it takes a bit, because they gotta figure out where he is, and only Nebula knows, and she ends up, like, she ends up telling them, they go there, they, they find Thanos, they chop his arm off, they flip the gauntlet over, and there's no stones inside. He has, Thanos he fucking destroyed him. Yeah. And, um, for anyone who is wondering about what the Ancient One said about removing the stones, disrupting the flow of time, the atoms count. That, that That's really all there is to it. The atoms count. Hmm. I so, guess technically, they atoms. haven't been removed. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, they haven't been removed from the universe. But, yeah. Um. So, I do want to discuss the fact that they jump forward five years i'm very i'm actually very glad about like the fact that this wasn't a successful thing and that the characters had to live five years in thanos's universe like in in the world where they lost and thanos won i think it's a really really good thing to have consequences in movies like this and I mean, uh, I guess. the the the, ex the exact consequences of all of that are is something that the MCU is going to go into in later properties that we will watch. Um, hmm. They don't really explore um, what you know half of the universe blinking out of existence for five years would really mean in the like in this movie. They don't explore that at all. And it's not even just five years, it's five years and a couple of months. Because uh, uh, Infinity War takes place in, like, April, May 2018, and Endgame takes place in October 2023. So, you know, which, funnily enough, is when we're recording this. Normally, we would have recorded it in November. Hmm. That's, but yeah, um, uh, that's a thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm very glad that they didn't just give us a Control-Z. Um, so, immediately after the five years later thing, we go to uh, this little meeting that... This group therapy thing that uh, Steve Rogers has started. And it's where we have our first gay character in the MCU. Um, props to the director for choosing to be the one to act this out. Um, and be the one to take all the heat from not actually hiring an LGBT actor. But, you know, I, I, I do want to point it out because it's there. It's our first LGBT character in the MCU, barring Loki, because they haven't actually confirmed it at the time of Endgame. Loki, Loki is just yeah. whatever he feels like. Yeah. 
And you get the line from Captain America uh, saying, like, you got to move on, which comes back later when, like, he and Nat are talking and, like, you know, of course, they haven't moved on and they can't. They're not ready. And plenty of people are starting to move on, like Tony, for instance. But, yeah, um, we have Scott's escape from the quantum realm. And his reunite, his reunion with Cassie. Okay, so for starters, his escaping the quantum realm. The mouse opening the quantum tunnel, that's actually kind of inevitable. Like, it's freaking San Francisco. It's in a very dirty area. It, it was pretty much inevitable that the mouse would open the gateway. What? What's actually the very rare thing is that Scott was in the position to be able to take advantage of it. Stark says as much, it's like, you accidentally survived, it was a billion to one cosmic fluke. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I, I do think that is kind of the one in 14 million chance that uh, Doctor Strange was talking about. And I'll get into Doctor Strange later. But yeah, uh, we see him running around like the memorials to the vanished and like really hoping Cassie's name isn't there. But then like he sees his name there and it's like, yeah, like everyone would think that he blipped because there was no one left to tell people that he was in the quantum realm. Um, but Cassie doesn't get blipped and... I have to give props to Paul Rudd here, uh, the guy who plays Ant-Man, because okay. how on earth do you act to that scene? Like, you have to act like a father who is coming, who not only is coming to terms with the fact that he's missed five years of his daughter's life, but you have to mix that with the relief that your daughter is actually still alive. He, do, he acts that scene beautifully, and so does the actress who plays Cassie in this movie. And yeah. I, I, I do have to give credit where credit's due. That is an incredibly well-done scene. But yeah. Um, um, pretty good. Yeah. So with uh, Scott then meets up with the other Avengers, and they start hatching the plan of like creating a time machine. So like they need to go to Tony, because... That Tony's the one who's most likely to be able to actually make this work. It, it, it's no. a shame they don't know about it. It's the shame that they don't know about Fitz, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, Fit, Fitz could solve it in an afternoon. Then again, well, so I mean, can the I thing is, then, then again, here's the thing, though. Fitz has already done it. Like, if we're talking about the timeline... Fitz has already done it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Fitz. Actually, yeah, in the main Marvel timeline, if the TV shows are canon, Fitz just had the knowledge that the Avengers needed this entire time and didn't say anything. Yes. Well, I mean, they never asked. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Fitz, I mean, Fitz has a family now, so. Yeah. And. Yeah, whatever. But, I mean, 
the thing that I want to point out, okay, for starters, Tony has a kid now, and th- this is, like, it's what initially makes him not want to help, but of course, like, the idea is planted in his head. And on top of that, if you look at the simulations that he's running, it's clear that he's tried, um, it, it it's clear that he's tried to figure this out before, like, he doesn't just figure it all out in one evening. But the quantum um, the realm thing is that what I will he was point- missing. Yeah, I think maybe, yeah, the quantum realm is what he was missing. But now, I, mind you, I do say that Tony is probably smarter than Fitz. Because Fitz figured out how to do time travel after already seeing that time travel was possible. Remember, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. traveled to the future using the monolith. And then they were able able to travel back. Mm-hmm. So he was only figuring out a way to recreate time travel, and the Chronom Realm was his solution. Scott only, like, experienced a change in his relative time. Tony actually figured out time travel. That is very, very different. I mean... Uh... Scott basically said, hey, I think time travel is possible. Yeah. that That's basically what it is. Like, Fitz knew it was possible, and then he figured out how to do it. Tony was like, no, this shit is impossible. And Scott's like, maybe not. And then Tony figured it out. <laughs> um, I mean, it, you know, Jarvis said, oh, this, um, this, you cannot synthesize this. And then he synthesized it. Yeah. By being smart and doing it. But yeah, after Tony rejects them, they go to Bruce Banner, who has now become Smart Hulk. <laughs> also, I love uh, how I do ki- the, the subtitles now label him as Smart Hulk. Yeah, I love that. It, it was a it was a fan name at first, but then they were like, "Yeah, fuck it, we'll adopt it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. But, I don't know. I think it, I think it's fun. I think the whole idea of Smart Hulk is fun. I just wish we had seen the process instead of, you know, having it cut out. But you know, whatever. That, that's I guess the entirety of the Hulk right there in the MCU. We just see him. You know, yeah. you know, with that Thor movie. Yeah, we just see him on another planet. Hulk, Hulk is just always there. I mean, we saw him on another planet, but we at least got an explanation for how he got there and, like, why he stayed there and everything. This is kind of the culmination of Bruce Banner's character arc. Like, it, the whole idea of the Hulk is kind of like a metaphor for, like, an explosive outburst disorder i don't know what it's actually called but um like there's also just the element of the fact that the hulk and banner are two different entities and the whole like bruce banner kept treating the hulk as something to get rid of that was part of the plot of the entire incredible hulk movie that was extremely bad mm-hmm. but yeah like they go to him obviously it's outside of his area of expertise he's a He's a fucking biochemist. But, but he tries. Yeah. And yeah, fails. He certainly does try. But yeah, um... 
they uh, they also go to New Asgard and they get Thor, who has really let himself go. He's clearly suffering from both depression and PTSD in this movie. So this is what happens and to like, uh, fallen gods. Yeah, I mean, who can blame him, honestly? Like, first he loses his mother, and he thought he lost his brother, but then it turned out he was alive. Or but then the he dies anyway. <laughs> yeah. He also loses his father, his entire home, and then Thanos shows up, kills his brother, kills Heimdall, and kills half his people, and then the snap happens, and half of what's left after Thanos killed half of them the first time, they die too. Damn, that's that's just rough. And, and the thing that makes this even, even worse is Thanos would never would have gotten the chance to win if Thor hadn't decided to savor the victory. He... But in his mind, he let Thanos win. I also like um, earlier in the movie when Thor killed Thanos, he said, I went for the head. Yeah, and it, it's also something you can appreciate like in the final battle against Thanos. Every time you see Thor swing the axe towards Thanos, he's aiming for the head. Always going for that head. Also, now we mention it, we have to mention, I have seen so many memes in this. Like, so many um, moments in this movie that I know will end up becoming memes. Yeah, and some of them I feel like shouldn't have become memes. Like, Don't Give Me Hope really shouldn't have become a meme in my opinion. Because now, like, people treat it as a silly scene when it's supposed to actually be serious. I mean, you can't say, sh you know, this thing shouldn't become a meme because that's not how memes operate. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, to me, I, I don't like that it became a meme. I also really don't like the no, I don't think I will became a meme, but whatever. Things just become memes. It's the collective so, yeah, conscious, uh, not uh, just one person. I know, I, I just... Uh, I mean, typically it does start with one person posting the screenshot in response to something, and then it balloons into a much bigger thing. I mean, either the collective conscious um, agrees with it, and that puts it in their minds to, you know, make more memes, or it just dies immediately. Yeah, but like I said, it always starts with... It always starts with one person. Yeah. Anyway. Um, they start making the plan... Uh, the plans on where and when to go to collect all the Infinity Stones, uh, because Tony does figure out time travel, blah blah blah. We also, like have some really nice family dynamics going on, like Pepper, like, acknowledging that, like, Pepper knowing Tony enough to know that if he just stopped, um, he wouldn't be able to sleep at night. <laughs> because yeah. he actually, he actually can help. He's in a position to do so. 
and his conscience would weigh on him. From the very beginning, like, of Tony Stark's character, like, the first movie is him seeing that his weapons are being used in ways that he didn't intend, and he works towards setting it right. That's the goal of Iron Man 1. And, like, obviously, everything goes to shit. Like, Iron Man 1 happens, and then Iron Man 2 was mostly irrelevant. But in <laughs> Avengers, he sees that his world is no longer safe for him, and, like, it develops into PTSD. And uh, by the end of Iron Man 3, he's in a healthy place. Like, he he's moved past his trauma... But he's continuing being Iron Man because the Avengers need need him. And then Age of Ultron happens. Like, Wanda gets into his head and, like... Yeah. It, it, it's a mess. And then Civil War. Oh, God. Yeah, so... But yeah, uh... Tony, um, they start make Is in, uh, place. Yeah. They start making plans on where and when to go back. And one thing a lot of people seem to take issue with with this movie hmm. and it's because they haven't been paying attention is that nebula doesn't tell like the rest of the team about the fact that a sacrifice is required for the soul stone but she doesn't know all she knows is that thanos killed gamora i mean that was one of the things that they brought up in this movie about the um, the person wasn't joking because then they pieced it together. Yeah, Thanos, like why even Gamora with never that came scene? Back. Yeah, even with that scene where like Natasha and Clint piece it together, people still miss it because they weren't listening. Yeah, Nebula doesn't know the sacrifice is required. Another interesting thing to point out in this, like, scene where they're planning everything. The team doesn't know that Doctor Strange wasn't actively, like, defend, like, positioned at the New York Sanctum until 2017. They actually think they're going back to 2012, and they are looking to find Doctor Strange. I, I do love the, um, the timekeeper... I forgot their name. Which is like, you're uh, five years too late. Early. Oh uh, yeah, early. Yeah, because Avengers was in 2012 and he's not active until 2017, so it's five years too early. Which is a funny coincidence. Because it's like five years was the time jump from Infinity War to Endgame. And there was also a five year difference between Avengers and the end of Doctor Strange. Huh. But yeah, um, so another another question that a lot of people asked uh, during the Doctor Strange movie was if there was a Sanctum Sanctorum in New York City, then why the fuck weren't they helping out during Avengers 2012? And it turns out we literally see in this movie that they were helping out in that battle. We just didn't see them in the Avengers movie. Because reasons. Well, they hadn't been introduced. So they, they can't, yeah, the camera just didn't want to hand to them. 
Yeah. So now we got to talk about Doctor Strange's plan because holy shit, is it incredible? And holy shit, do people not understand what happened? Okay. So his plan was, for starters, he had to give the Time Stone to Thanos willingly. If it was taken from him by force, then there is no way that the Ancient One would be willing to give Bruce Banner the Time Stone. But because he did give it willingly, the Ancient One knows that he saw the only future in which they could win. Hmm. And then on top of that, his plan goes even further. Like, okay, for starters, he planned out all the shit that they did in the time heist, probably. It's debatable whether or not Loki was Loki escaping was planned, but I mean, even then it wasn't that big of a deal. They got all the stones back. They had the snap. They there was the whole thing with Nebula and like Thanos and Gamora coming to the to 2023 from 2014. Like he planned all of this. Hmm. And wait, I actually the forgot, idea was um, something. From the movie. Hold on. The idea was once Hulk snapped his fingers, Strange clearly... This is just what you can infer from the movie. This isn't me speculating. Strange went to other sorcerers. He had to in order for this portal scene to work. He went to the other sorcerers and the whole plan was to gather everyone together to fight Thanos' army. He saw all of this. Huh. And he saw that Tony would sacrifice himself um, to win the battle. That's, um... I mean, despite him seeing all of that, how would he know that all of, like, this would be this timeline and not just some... Um, like something else would happen. Because he didn't have because direct he control. Looked into, he looked into every... Like, he looked into so many different possible futures, and he knew how to orchestrate events so that they would happen the right way. Hmm. I mean, still a little bit weird. Yeah, um, I, I think it's very incredible writing there. Like, he had to give the stone up in order for this all to work. Like, it's great. Um, just another aspect to this time heist thing that they're doing. We are revisiting three movies here. All right, we're revisiting The Avengers. We're revisiting Thor The Dark World. And we're revisiting Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, yeah. Um, and I... Something I do like is that they don't, like, throw any shade towards Thor The Dark World. I'll rag on the movie a lot, but, like, you're allowed to like it. And, I don't know, maybe it, it probably would have felt weird to throw shade at it. Especially when, like, it's it's a very important moment in time for Thor's character. Like, for starters, this is the day he lost his mother, and he gets to have that final goodbye. It's really 
really good wish fulfillment. Like how many people have wished they could have that last moment with someone like just one chance to say goodbye. They don't, I was wondering something. Life doesn't tend to work out like that. Well, yeah. Um, sorry. You just kept going on, but how did, um, everyone get the Tesseract back? What do you mean? Well, because Loki got the Tesseract, and he teleported away, right? Yeah. So how did they get that Infinity Stone? They went further back in time. Oh, okay. Yeah, like Tony and Steve, they went back to 1970. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, Okay, now I understand. Yeah, so back on the Thor stuff, um, I also really love the scene where he reaches out to get Mjolnir, and it comes back to him. And you have the line, I'm still worthy. And I think that's important for anyone else who's suffering with depression to, to hear. Yes, you are still worthy. Even if you failed as spectacularly as someone like Thor has. You're still worthy of love. You're still worthy of acceptance, and you're still worthy of success. And um, a hammer, a magical hammer too. Yeah, and yeah, and a magical hammer. You are definitely worthy of that too. <laughs> uh, you can pick up at your nearest uh, hardware store. We also have okay, just one other thing in the 2012 portion of this movie. I do love the. Uh, scene where Cap steps into the elevator with all the Hydra guys. It's like, it's mirroring Captain America the Winter Soldier. There was an exact, there was a very similar scene in that movie. But, whereas oh, yeah. in that movie, he he beat the shit out of all of them. In this movie, he relies on deception. And I I loved it so much. I love Especially how surprised since it came straight everyone out of was when he said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I also really love this scene of, like, Captain America fighting Captain America. The America's ass joke is funny. (laughs) Um, and, yeah, uh, we also have Loki escaping, which, of course, leads to the TV show on Disney Plus that we will get to eventually. Um, shortly after, though, we have Tony and Steve going to 1970, and the very first thing we see is the final Stan Lee cameo. You know, one movie was going to be his last, and it... (laughs) This is it? It's very fitting that it was this movie. I wonder if... Of um, course. So, like, obviously they were writing um, the next movie, um, Spider-Man 2. I'm just going to say 2. But, um... I'm wondering if they written a cameo for him before he died. It's possible. But who knows? I mean, I guess we'll never know, to be honest. But yeah, uh, I think it's rather good for Tony Stark's character that they do go back to 19... Well, good for Tony Stark and good for Steve Rogers. 
because when they go back to 1970, um, like Tony gets to have his one last conversation with his father that he never got to have. Um, and it's clear that like some time between civil war and infinity war, or maybe even between civil war and Endgame, he kind of came to terms. Like he, he came to understand his father a bit more. Um, because like, if you remember in civil war, like when he's talking about the fact that Bucky killed his parents, he says he killed my mom. Doesn't mention his dad at all. Yeah, it's actually interesting to hear him say, you know, because he did at one point resent his father, but then he started to yeah. understand. So, the other thing to point out about the trip to 1970 is Jarvis. Jarvis, we have a human playing Jarvis, and it is the same person who played him in the Agent Carter TV show. Now, I am here to tell you that I think, I still think that Agent Carter is canon to the main universe. I still think all the Marvel television stuff is canon to the main universe. But if it's not, this is a very good hint towards multiversal shenanigans, and it would technically be the first one. Um, although we previously thought something that was in the next movie was the first hint towards multiversal shenanigans. But yeah. we'll have to see, because we still don't know how they're going to handle the Marvel television stuff. We're not there yet. Yeah. I mean, they could just not handle it. They're going to. But, yeah. Um, so we have... Like, moving on to... Um, I, there's not really much to say about, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy tie-ins. I don't really have much to say about, like, Thanos and Gamora and Nebula and all that stuff. Um, but Honestly, I did want to talk about the I kind of want to save it for um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I still haven't one... seen that movie. Yeah, um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is actually when a lot of the characters got their plot resolved. So... I think I want to um, save a lot of, like, their character discussions for then. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, and I'm also hearing just a lot of stuff about how some of the cast members are leaving. Um, I think I've heard Dave Batista and Bradley Cooper are planning to leave. A little bit sad that so, you just won't see their characters again. Maybe. You, it, it may just be that they get different actors, but like replacing the voice of Rocket is going to be weird, and replacing Drax is also going to be weird if they do go that route. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's just it's going to be uh, weird no matter what. But yeah, something that's happening at the same time as this is the whole scene with uh, Black Widow, and Hawkeye on Vormir. For starters, just before they head towards Vormir, <laughs> Rhodes tells them to watch each other six, and uh, 
as a channel I really love, Cinema Wins, um, as they have pointed out, they take that to the most insane extremes. <sighs> I mean, good God, they fight to the death, and the winner loses. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what happens. Yeah. Yeah, fight to the death. Fight to see who dies. <laughs> yeah, and uh, unfortunately, like, Black Widow dies. Like, it's the... I would say it's the end of her character arc, but technically, that's in a movie that hasn't happened... or That's in a movie we haven't watched yet, but... The events have already happened. It's weird. Because they couldn't release yeah, that movie um, earlier. Yeah, it... They wrap up her story really nicely, where, like, her whole character has been about making uh, amends for the things that she's done in her past. And I feel like... You know, when you're sacrificing yourself to save the lives of half the people in the universe, I feel like you've redeemed yourself at that point. Fully. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like there's nothing anyone can say against you there. And of course, like, Hawkeye, he needs to live, not only to see his family again, but to redeem himself after becoming Ronin. Like... He did go off the deep end. Who can blame him, honestly? But he still did. And he made a lot of enemies when doing so. Which will come back to bite him. Hmm. I'm yeah, guessing we'll we're going to be seeing that. Yeah, we are. But, yeah, uh, I'm just looking through my notes to see... Okay... I actually don't have anything else until the final battle. Because hmm. um, there wasn't really much to say with, like, okay, after that, like, everyone, they come back to the present. And you have the whole sequence of, like, uh, them deciding who's going to snap their fingers. And, like, the conversation about how, like, the radiation is mostly gamma. So it should be Bruce to snap his fingers because he'd be the most likely to survive. Um, and he does survive, but you can see later that it really fucking hurt him. Like, in the scene where he's sending Cap back in time to, uh, like, return the stones and the hammer. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you can see in that scene, he's got his arm in a sling, and it looks burned. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure we do see him later, like, with that arm healed. Well, later, as in later in the MCU, in a later property, yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, so the next thing I have here is, like, Cap lifts Mjolnir. What a scene. Like, 10 out of 10 scene right there. Um, I, I remember my theater, both times, everyone was cheering when that happened. Like, <laughs> they set this up. Four years prior. <laughs> Arguably even more if you want to trace it all the way back to Thor 1. 
because like the fact that he can actually use Thor's lightning, you know, that's something that relates back to Thor one. And some people call that a plot hole that he can use the lightning because they watched Thor Ragnarok, but they clearly haven't paid attention to Thor one. Tisk tisk. Yeah. Pay attention, people. Like, if you're going to criticize a movie, you make it, make sure you get your facts right. Do it right. Yeah. But, yeah. Incredible scene, and so is On Your Left. Like, <laughs> first of all, On Your Left is a callback to Winter Soldier. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Where, like, Cap did the same thing to Sam. But, yeah, we get the, like... We get the reveal of every, everyone. They actually do show pretty much everyone who, every important character who was dusted. Like, it's to the point where, like, you think about someone and then they show up on screen. It's, it, it's really well done. And What about the that, that Spider-Man? Oh, Spider-Man. Hmm. What about Black? Oh, there's Black Panther. Yeah. It it it's so good. I love that scene. And then, like, they cap that scene off with like Captain America finally saying the tagline of the Avengers franchise. They fucking waited like twenty plus films to do it, but they finally gave us Avengers Assemble. It's implied he said it in Age of Ultron, but they cut him off and rolled the credits right before that. Avengers, let's get avenging. Yeah. It's avenging time. (laughs) You know, I just love it in um, this movie when Captain America said um, it's time to avenge and he just avenged all over the place. (laughs) I um, have to. I also love that they brought in, like, Pepper in an Iron Man suit, which, for the record, she's technically called Rescue. Um, huh. So, thought that was neat. It, it's a thing from the comics. It, she hasn't yet returned in the MCU, and I don't know if she ever will, but we'll see. Um, so, we have, the re- we have two Peter reunions I want to talk about, because there are two characters named Peter here. Um, so, we have... <laughs> Peter Parker's reunion with Tony Stark, which is a really nice scene. We also have Peter Quill's reunion with Gamora, which is a weird scene because it's not the Gamora he knows. It's a Gamora from nine years in the past. It's, um... Also, now I find... I mean, I knew this happened, but I had no idea how Gamora... From nine years in the past, made it their way into present day. Now I know. Yeah, it's a very interesting way that that worked out. Also, like the future, the, the present day Nebula killed past Nebula, and people are like, "Wait, why doesn't that erase her from existence?" And it's like, you don't understand the rules of time travel here. Eh, they did. They did kind of explain the rules of time travel a little bad yeah i mean i said it before and i'll say it again like agents of shield does follow end games rules for time travel and it explains them better 
Though I will admit, they did have more time in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to explain it. Yeah. For sure. But, anyway. Yeah, we have that scene. I also love how Nebula says, Your choices were him or a tree. Which implies that Drax was not an option. <laughs> <laughs> and the tree was. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Groot Actually, would have been better than Drax. You know what? I just thought about that. Because when I heard that, I just thought, oh yeah, it was either him or nothing. But I actually forgot about <laughs> Groot's existence when I first watched that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, another thing that people, that some people didn't like uh, was that Hope and Scott didn't have a reunion. But when you think about it, why should they? They didn't spend five years apart. Scott was in the quantum realm for five hours. Like, as far as they were concerned, because remember, Hope was blipped. As far as they were concerned, they just saw each other a few hours ago. <laughs> that is true, yeah. They so, <laughs> of course, they're, they're not going to have, like, a big reunion. They didn't need one. I mean, yeah, um, was it? I mean, for Scott, I feel like it'd be a, more like a day. Yeah, maybe a day. But I mean, yeah, you are right. They, it wasn't, it wasn't five years. That's for sure. Yeah. And then we have like loads of other scenes here. We see kind of the first hint at how powerful Wanda really is. They're going to expand on that even more. But she damn near kills Thanos without the stones. Um, and the only reason, like, he doesn't die there is because he aims, like, he tells his ship to aim the guns at her. <laughs> like, Wanda is seriously crazy powerful, and she's barely begun to tap into her power yet uh, in what we've seen. There is one um, thing... Um that I don't understand about this movie. What's that? Why is there a Nebula network? Why can I two mean, Nebulas connect to each other? It, it It's weird. Like, she's got a lot of weird technology replacing parts of her body. So, it, it's just something I don't care about. It's the Nebula network. Um... It's like street pass with with nebulas. Yeah. Nebula passing. Um, we also have, like, in, in, in this fight scene, we also have activate instant kill, which is, you know, a payoff from Spider-Man Homecoming. So that was nice to see. I'm it sorry. kind of turned um, him into Doc Ock. Yeah, no, I was about to say, like, I'm sorry, Spider-Man fucking turning into Doc Ock right there. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I, I, I thought... It, it, it's cool enough. Um, uh, actually, funny story. Then we have Captain My... Marvel's entrance. Oh and, yeah, Captain um, Marvel. You know, a lot of people. A lot of people will say that there were cheers when Thanos punched her in the face with the power stone. 
I can tell you as someone who lived in the South, or who lives in the South, and saw the movie in theaters twice in the South, once on opening day, my theater cheered a lot more when she entered and destroyed his ship. And there were no cheers when he punched her in the face. There, there were laughs when he headbutted her and she just stood there. Um, I do wonder if it's like, and this is just assuming what these other people are saying is true. They could just be lying off their head. But if it is true, it could be the difference between the people that see it day one before, before the, and the people that see it like two weeks um, later. But Maybe. I don't know. I have watched a number of audience reactions, too, and I didn't see people laughing at it either, so... I, I don't mean, know. That's Sorry, just assuming that... I didn't see people cheering at that scene, either. Yeah, I mean, that's just assuming that it is true. could just be the difference between day one and the people that just see it, like, oh, yeah, and again, yeah, sure, why not? And to be clear, I don't particularly like Captain Marvel as a character. Now, maybe that will change when I watch the Marvels, but we'll see. We will certainly have to see. But uh, there is really a like, point um, in this... Yeah, I didn't really like her in this movie. She, she was just there. She was there, used her powers. Yeah. Not... And I don't really know how they could have, you know, given her any other role in this movie, but it's just felt a little awkward. Yeah, I mean, they kind of, they, they explain that, like, she's out there helping other planets, like, in the universe, which is a good thing, because otherwise, um, they would have no one, pretty much. Like, yeah. Rocket and Nebula are involved with this mission that's, like, based on Earth, so they don't even have the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. They I mean, just have Neb... Uh, they just have Captain Marvel. But yeah. Um, there is one scene, though, that happens very shortly after uh, hmm. Captain Marvel enters that we have to talk about. And it's the girl power scene. I don't like it. I I know a lot of people will come at me with the torches and pitchforks for saying that, but it's not a good scene. It doesn't work in the context of the movie. How are you... Okay. How do you expect me to believe that it happened in-universe? Like... There's a girl power scene in an Infinity War that I really like. Um, you know, uh, Wanda gets in a bit of trouble because Proxima Midnight is literally about to kill her. And, like, uh, Natasha and Okoye show up to save her. Like, I think that's a really good scene. But this, this is ridiculous. It feels completely out of place. Like, um, every... I, I'd, I'd be fine if it were... Fewer, fewer women who, like, showed up to help Captain Marvel, which, mind you, she didn't even need the help. She's Captain Marvel. Like, she has the power to blitz through all of those fucking faceless enemies. But when the, the fact 
that it was literally every single female character on the hero's side who was present. Like, every single one showed up to help Captain Marvel. It stretches the suspension of disbelief to the point where it snaps entirely. Especially as it's Captain Marvel. Yeah. Who is not really known by many people. Yeah, that's the other thing. In fact, pretty much nobody knows her. <laughs> like, let's say Pepper, for instance. Many of the uh, Marvel characters know Pepper. Captain Marvel, right? Though? Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, it is not a believable scene, and I hate it. <laughs> and it's, uh, unfortunately, grifters who are anti-women will use that scene and say that, oh, there's tons of scenes in the MCU like this, when it is just that one. Like, there, yeah. there are girl power scenes in other things, but none of them are anywhere close to this level of out-of-place cringe. None of them are anything like this. But All the other girl power scenes in the MCU, they work. This one doesn't. Of course, um, later on the fight, fighting happens. Yeah, uh, yeah, fighting happens, blah, blah, blah. Uh, honestly, there's not too much to say about the rest of the fight scene. Uh, like, the Avengers the win because Tony... Yeah, Thanos gets the stones, Iron Man takes them back. He snaps and, like, they win. Um, yeah. <laughs> Now, interesting thing, uh, we have Iron Man's funeral scene, which, it, it, it is a really rough scene to deal with, but one thing I want to point out in the recording that mm. he had, um, he says, if you had told me ten years ago that we weren't alone, let alone to this extent, I wouldn't have, blah blah blah, blah who cares what the rest of the quote was, mm. ten years ago was 2013, and uh, that was after Avengers. So, Tony, you already knew you weren't alone. I mean, um, uh, Tony Stark, bad at math. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Even I mean, though to that be doesn't fair, really he make was about to cause... go into time travel. He wasn't concerned about uh, the timeline at that moment. Yeah. He was so about another to break thing the timeline. Um, he didn't care about it. Yeah. So another thing here to point out in Tony Stark's funeral is um there was there was a teenager behind or someone who looked like they were in their teen years, uh behind uh Wanda Rhodes and there was some other person in like there were three people standing in front of this uh mm. teen looking guy. But that guy is the kid from Iron Man 3. Oh. Damn. He grew up. Yeah. I mean, it's been 10 years in-universe since Iron Man 3, so... Yeah, uh, he was there. I, I, I just wanted to point that out. There's also just a scene a little bit after where uh, Morgan is talking to Happy 
and she says she wants a cheeseburger, which is a callback to Iron Man 1, because that was the first thing Tony wanted when he made it back to the U.S. Uh, from being captured. He wanted a cheeseburger. Wanted that damn cheeseburger. I love how um, he said, like, your father liked cheeseburgers. Yeah. And then um, the, then we have... We go into the scene of um, Bruce preparing to send Cap back in time to return the stones and uh, the hammer. And importantly, there's a scene, like there's a bit of dialogue in there where Bruce reveals that when he snapped his fingers, he tried to bring back Natasha and it didn't work. So even the power of all the five infinity stones can't bring back someone from the dead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Cap returns the stones and Mjolnir. Oh. I, a lot of people want to see a presentation of how he did that and what exactly went on when he went back in time, uh, like, even further to be mm-hmm. with Peggy. But, I mean, I, I'd be okay if we never get that special presentation, but I do want it. I mean, I don't think it's needed. I mean, to get it would be cool, but... Uh- um, for, I mean, we know what happened, and I don't think yeah. knowing exactly what happened will change the fact is what happened. The thing that, there are some things that people are a little unclear on, and hmm. to be fair, I do kind of get this one. Um, it's kind of unclear whether or not he's in the main timeline and there's two Captain Americas at the same time, but he, even if that's not the case, and if like he lives in a branched reality, uh, there would still be two Captain Americas in that reality. Hmm. So there's that. And then there's the question of how he got the shield uh, that he gave to Sam uh, and like passing the torch on. Because if you remember, the shield was destroyed in the battle against Thanos. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just comfortable with the explanation that he went to Wakanda and got them to make a new one. Um, like that. I don't know. It, it's my personal I was, take. Like um, he are- wondering about is how, like, if he traveled back in time, how did he end up going back to the main branch of the timeline? I mean, he knows Scott, so he likely could just go to Scott, and Scott could take him to Hank Pym, and blah blah blah. Mm. Who cares? But yeah, that's yeah. the end of my notes, but I I do love how this movie, like, okay, it, it wrapped up a number of characters' character arcs. Like, let's start with Tony. Like, his whole thing, we talked a bit about it earlier, but, like, he finally, his story goes from being, he goes from narcissism to true altruism. And then, like, Steve's is kind of different. He starts being very altruistic, but his story is one of integrity in the face of ideology. And, like, in Winter Soldier, we see him lose his faith in the American government. And then we see him drop the role of Captain America in Captain America Civil War, because he may have held on to his integrity in, like, defending Bucky, but 
he still he still sacrificed his friendship with Tony in order to preserve his friendship with Bucky. Um, and he would be viewing this as doing a horrible thing. And then, like, we have this movie. He lifts Mjolnir, which is just incredible scene, worth mentioning again. And the music mm-hmm. in both that scene and in the on-your-left scene, music is incredible. Uh, Alan Silvestri did a fantastic job, which is to be expected. He also did the music for Avengers 1. Um, and maybe two as well, but I can't remember. But yeah, like his, he does everything for other people. And it's not until the end of this movie where he finally does something for himself. And I, th- Taking, I think it's fair uh, to say Iron at this Man's point, advice. he's, yeah, at this point, he's earned it. So I don't think anyone um, would feel feel any different. Yeah, Captain America's old now. Yeah. Um they wrapped up Black Widow for the most part. Um and yeah. I don't know, for me like this movie is very um emotional. It's emotional for a lot of people. Um because like this is something, this is a movie that's been, that was a decade in the making. Like, people grew up with these characters. And I won't name any names, but there are some people who will laugh at people who cried over events in this movie. It's a very dickish thing to do. These characters mean a lot to so many people because they grew up with them. I mean, I can't and say that I cried, but... Yeah, but, I mean, you didn't watch Iron Man when you were, like, really young, and you didn't follow this franchise all the way through like, you know, a lot of people did. I mean, but you're also not the type I, of person... Um... I would be a little bit too young when Iron Man first came out. Yeah, I think you would have been like, what, five? What, you said that you were... Wait, how old are you again? I was ten, because this was before my birthday. No, like, how old are you now? I forgot our age gap. Oh, I'm 26. So, yeah, um, more than five years. So, yeah, I would have been five or less. So, um, yeah. I-, I wasn't uh, even going to, you probably know, not- kindergarten. Probably not the best movie for um, me. I wouldn't even remember it if, if I did see it. Yeah. But, like, even if, like, a little bit later in life you started watching these movies, like, you still would have grown up with these characters. Like, let's say, I don't know, around the time of... Captain America the Winter Soldier. That was in 2014. Let's say you watched everything up to then, and then you kept up. Like, I I still think this movie would be really emotional for you at that point in time. Um, I will admit, I mean, it's not... uh, It would probably be harder to watch all the movies then than it would be now. Yeah, it used to be a lot harder. I would say... Uh, it, it, it is a lot more of a daunting task now because there's a lot more content. 
but it's a lot easier to actually get a hold of the content. Um, for a while, it was all uh, it was mostly all on Netflix, but then Disney Plus came along and made it easier. And it's still not mm. quite the easiest it could be. We still need Far From Home and No Way Home to drop on Disney Plus. But yeah, I this I movie mean, there was a point in time where you had to buy all of the movies just to watch them. I mean, no. You could always rent them from, like, libraries and Redbox I mean, and shit. Okay, fair enough. Though, libraries, I don't think a lot of people do that. Because you don't hear about a lot of people doing that. Redbox, though, I mean, Redbox was at its peak back then, so, sure. I mean, it's people. It's other people's loss if they don't use libraries to their advantage, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. But yeah, li libraries tend to have a catalog of movies you can check out, so, you know, use them. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people like, don't come like on, libraries people. because, um, you know, they'll just forget to return. You know, it's a busy life we live in. Yeah, but I, I, I think it's incredibly well done. Like, honestly... Like, and it's the same, uh, the directors of this movie are the same directors who did uh, Infinity War, and they also did Civil War. Uh, hmm, a lot of wars so here. So yeah, like, um, obviously they teased, uh, they teased Loki, uh, that TV show that we're going to get later. Uh, we're going to be dealing a lot with the fallout from this movie. And the, I guess technically the fallout from Infinity War and this movie because it really is a two-parter thing. Um, we're going to be dealing a lot with the fallout when as we're watching uh, future MCU properties. So I, I guess be prepared for that, Lily. Uh, yeah, we are. We are finally about to start Phase Four in January. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a bit off. It's still a bit of ways away because this was supposed to be cut. Like we were supposed to do this movie in November, and it's gonna like for those of you listening. Like obviously, this episode's releasing in November, but like we still got to get through Spider-Man: Far From Home, which I guess would kind of be the epilogue uh, to the Infinity Saga. Hmm. But yeah, um, um, a lot there. Most certainly. Uh, but yeah, we, we're going to have to get into all of that other stuff later. I've, I've been holding off talking about Wanda's character arc because uh, we're going to be dealing with that pretty soon. Yeah, I know you said we're going to get yeah. more than an hour, but barely that. Because I do think yeah, we don't I mean, really have that much more to talk about. Yeah, well, I think the only reason that we even, like, got it to be around this short is because I was kind of rushing through a lot of points just because I didn't want this episode to be three hours long, and I yeah. kind of didn't want to... I, I, I kind of really didn't want to split it into two parts, even though I was prepared to have to. Mm -hmm. But uh, thankfully, we didn't have to. Um, I do love this movie. I, I, I want to stress that. 
I really do love it. I just think Infinity War is better. It's still top three. Um, as for me, I mean, it's a good movie. I don't have any emotional attachments to it. As I'm not, you know... I mean, I'm invested in Marvel. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not that invested. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for the podcast, I don't think you would just continue watching the MCU as everything comes out. I mean... If the pod, okay, I'll say this. If the podcast stopped here, I would probably still go watch some of the movies with my friend. I do think that's probably the only way I would still watch. Is he that? And, you know, I just think about it. It's like, you know, I have a few hours. I can, you know, just go to Disney Plus and watch, you know, a Marvel movie I haven't seen. I, I imagine you would probably watch, uh, like, if any of the, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters return, I imagine you would want to watch the stuff that they return in. I have too much investment in. there, yeah. I have, I have way too much investment <laughs> in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to just yeah. not. See, that's the thing, though. Yeah. Marvel, I don't have an emotional, atta an, an emotional attachment to. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. specifically, I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, spend, you know, binge that series, how can you not? Yeah, like, seriously, if you guys haven't watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., please go watch it. It is so good. Like, I know you have you have a lot more time now in Phase 5 than you did in Phase 4. Like, Marvel was pumping out shit constantly during Phase 4, so I don't blame you for not watching it during that time. But... They've really slowed down for Phase Five. You have time. And, you know, I mean, and I, it's I, such if a I good can show. It, if I can binge the entire series, like you know, season by season, every month, you know, you can do it at like your own leisure. Yeah, it, it, and it's a genuinely good show, especially seasons four, five, six, and seven. <laughs> God, um, the ending. A real tearjerker there. But yeah, uh... Whew. But yeah, I guess, uh, look forward to Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, and you can also look forward to next week, us doing Cruella and West Side Story 2021. Um, but yeah, with that being said, Lily, go ahead and get into the critic ratings. Um, I will gladly... So, IMDb gives it a 8.4 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 94%. And 90% of Google users like this movie. And, uh, since I can conveniently see the actual Google rating, um, Google audience rating summary is a 4.7 out of 5. Alright, what's the Rotten Tomatoes audience score? Zero percent, I'm kidding. Ninety percent. <laughs> yeah, there there would be no way it was zero. <laughs> I wonder if there's any actual uh, zero. Oh, God. So you know how you go I'd into... I'd be interested um, to see that. No, do you know how you go into um, the uh, Rotten Tomatoes website and you see, like, the movies that are coming out and what their score is? Yeah. 
Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, God. Welp, but... I don't... I don't know why they are making a movie of that. But alright. I mean, um, why are they not gonna uh, make a movie about the plushies and Hot Topic? Anyway, I'm giving this movie a 9.3. 8.7. I can absolutely right. recognize um, Peak when I see it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, until next time, I've been Avery, that's been Lily. We will, we will be seeing you.